Welcome to Attune and Align podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Lavalette, and I'm the founder of Attune and Align, a community for women who attune to the calling of their heart and take action to align their lives accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm so glad you're here. On Attune and Align podcast, we showcase the stories of real women who say yes to their dreams and do whatever it takes to manifest the outcomes they want to see in their lives. We hope you'll leave today's episode feeling inspired, energized, and excited to take your very own first step on your own journey towards living a fulfilling life on your own terms. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my friend, Tiffany Mabig. Tiffany is the mother of two young kids and the founder of All Together, a community and co-working space designed to bring women together to pursue work, build businesses, and chase dreams. Tiffany creates space for women to push themselves and their ideas forward and supports women as they navigate life, work, and motherhood. She is passionate about helping women pursue the life they imagined for themselves, not in spite of, but because of their kids. We are so lucky to hear from her today. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you so much. I'm just thrilled to be here. Let's dive right in. Tell us what happened. (laughs) That's a great, (laughs) that's a great segue. What happened? As you said, I'm the founder of All Together, a co-working community space that I built and designed based on my own experience, just navigating life, work, and motherhood. I had spent over a decade in my corporate career before I welcomed my son. When he was born, I saw everything I imagined for my life slowly slip away. I had always aspired to kind of climb that corporate ladder. I think I had a lot of success in that area of my life, in my work life. And then I suddenly had a very small newborn and everything that I thought my life would be no longer fit. I had traveled full time for my work, which doesn't really work with a newborn and a breast pump. And I realized that I was going to have to make some really big changes. It was about two years until I found the courage to leave my career postpartum depression definitely kind of pushed me in that direction. And very quickly after leaving my career, I realized that I had never aspired to stay home with my son. I always wanted to have a child, but I never saw myself as a stay-at-home mom. So here I have this life that's so different than what I had envisioned. And I kind of started asking myself, like, what would make this journey easier? What would make my life better? How could I help other women that are navigating this journey of just trying to balance life and work and motherhood. And the idea came to me. I realized that what was missing, at least for me and my journey, was the opportunity to pursue work while surrounded with other women that were pursuing work and do it in a way that felt really safe and comfortable and supportive. And so I began the long process of rebuilding my life. And in doing so, I developed and started a co-working space where women could come in, sit down, get work done, and their kids could actually play and have childcare in the same space. And it's been a journey. I believe that I started the website three years ago this December. I had a business partner. I had a lease, lost the business partner, lost the lease. About a year later, I signed a lease all on my own. So in November of 2019, I signed my lease. And 
four and a half months of construction later meant that I opened my doors on March 5th of 2020. And if you've ever <laughs> tried to tackle a dream, building a co-working and community space indoors and opening one week before a pandemic tells everyone to stay home is not exactly ideal timing. So I spent the last year and a half just trying to keep the dream afloat and kind of pushing the business forward in ways I never imagined before ultimately deciding to close my doors. We're going to pause there and take a deep breath. <laughs> Tiffany, I get chills. I get a, a visceral reaction every time I hear that story or I read about it on your Instagram. This is like a really good time to call out that so many of my guests who come on the podcast, they're mostly women with online businesses, online projects. And like that in and of itself is like, we have hours and hours of material to talk through. But now you're talking about something that actually needs to be, I mean, you mentioned four months of construction, something that physically manifested as well. And just thinking of all the online projects I've done, my head is spinning just thinking of like sort of that extra energetic push that would take to like make those online concepts physically manifest. I'm going to pause here and hold some space for all the energy that went into that. It was beautiful. It still is beautiful. I mean, I'm in the process. I'm in the last sort of phases of exiting the space. I decided to close my doors about three months ago when Delta hit. I had just kind of been done pivoting. If pivot was the word mm -hmm. of 2020, I just, I didn't have it in me and I knew that. <laughs> so I gave myself permission to just change, change my direction and allow myself to sort of release what I thought was going to be my life and kind of embrace this unknown once again, while I sort of work through the next steps. But I will say building a brick and mortar space is not for the faint of heart. I think entrepreneurship in general is incredible. It's also incredibly hard. I think it takes a lot of guts to kind of leap towards your dreams, whether that's an online version, whether that's an in-person version, whether that's a brick and mortar space, like it takes a lot of guts to say, Hey, I have this idea for what I want my life to look like, and I'm going to do it. But with that comes the most incredible lessons. And I mean, navigating the last two years, it's just given me more strength than I ever could have asked for. I kind of joke that like, I basically bought myself a PhD in entrepreneurship because I had to show up in so many different ways just to keep the lights on, right? To keep the Wi-Fi running. Like I use that space throughout the pandemic. I had to go there and water plants every single week. I was closed. I was forced to be closed for more than a year. That's what I was going to ask you. I'm sitting here like running the timeline through my head. So, okay. Signed the lease November, 2019, four months of construction, doors open March 5th. If I remember correctly, I think we went into shutdown like March 17th, 18th, 19th, something like that. But then you said you only gave up the lease recently. So like, what did that look like? Can you tell us a little bit more? What were you doing from March 2020 until what, August 2021? Like what yeah. was going on at All Together Co? I mean, everything. So I opened my doors on March 5th. I closed my doors now looking back, it's hilarious on Friday the 13th. So oh. we kind of knew that that COVID was here. Shelter in place had not been announced. But I again, I have two very young kids in my gut knew that that Friday mm -hmm. was going to be my last day open. So mm. six or seven business days, I was open functioning, running co working, running groups, 
had like a flower workshop on that Friday and it was beautiful. And then the world Ugh. sort of was shutting down. Yeah. So almost immediately, again, I'm responsible for a lease. So almost immediately I pivoted my entire business online. I think the following Wednesday. So the world shut down on like a Monday or a Tuesday, yep. the following Wednesday, I ran my first digital online group. And as somebody that built a brick and mortar space, because I believe in face-to-face -face connection, mm. I very quickly realized that our new reality was the exact opposite of what yeah. I was looking for. But I did that. I ran all different types. I ran like accountability groups and we had a speaker series online, just any way for these women that were part of my collective to be able to connect. Mm -hmm. and so many of us were suddenly at home trying to figure out how to keep our, you know, our careers and our hopes and our dreams intact while simultaneously raising small children that require a lot. So the very woman that I had set out to support was suddenly in like the worst case of all the worst case scenarios. And so I showed up, I showed up in so many ways that I never imagined from March of 2020 until November of 2020, I was a hundred percent digital. Mm -hmm. The space was basically closed. We weren't approved to reopen our doors until April of 2021. So over wow. a year of forced closures, just based on the industry that I yeah. was in, in that time, again, I was running online events. I actually was able to sublet. I had two other female owned businesses who similarly had kids at home and like nannies at home and all these things. So they rented space for me and they ran their business out of the space alongside me for six months. Mm -hmm. And then it was in November of 2020 that I recognized that like every single business I supported that had a product or had something to sell, all the markets were closed. Like Head yeah. West wasn't functioning. Anyone that like had a product that they needed to get out into the world as we're like in the middle of a pandemic had no options. So I ran, I think there were six, a series of six small business pop-ups through the holidays of 2020, just bringing, I don't know, I think there was at the end of it, like 60 or 70 different female owned businesses that were able to pop up in my space Wow! just across the series. I ran an online portion of that and it was called support her. And it was just everyone that I knew that had a small business here locally was, was there and was able to sort of get their product out there. And that was huge. It also helped pay the rent, which you right. know, again, when you're like on the line every single month, you're going, is this worth it? You know, I can't mm -hmm. be open. What can I do? But retail was one of those things that was deemed safe. So I ran those, I would say December of 2020. I was running my last pop-up. I think it was like December 6th. And we, we got an announcement. I was, I'll never forget this. A good friend of mine runs a, a rental shop. So she was delivering the tables for the pop-up because we had, I think like 12 or 15 vendors at this pop-up. I didn't have enough tables and it was the biggest pop-up of the season, the last one before the holidays. And the announcement came through as she was unloading the tables that we were going to shelter in place again or shut down. And that wasn't coming until Tuesday. The pop-up was on a Saturday, but like my anxiety went through the roof. We took yep. the tables off. We put them back on the truck. We took them out again. We're like, yeah. what do we do? How do you hold space for 12 or 15 businesses in the midst of a pandemic? Mm -hmm. the, the universe is telling you it might not be safe to be together and we're all mm -hmm. masked. And I just, the anxiety that I mm -hmm. was holding for kind of creating that opportunity mm. was terrible. So I would say December of 2020 was the first time I really felt like maybe this wasn't going to work. Uh huh. And then 
again, I had my subleases had passed. The vendor markets were done. Again, we're all in lockdown. So like months into the pandemic. And I sort of had to ask myself the really hard question, like, is this worth it, right? Is mm-hmm. it worth it to pay the bills? Is it worth it to keep the lights on? Is it worth it to kind of keep this dream afloat? I was over a year into my lease. And the only thing that kept me going was that March was right around the corner. And I just kept telling myself, oh, if I can get it to one year, if I can yeah. get to one year, like so many businesses fail in the first year, like mm-hmm. I just want to get past that point. So I did. And then... Mm-hmm. March, we still weren't approved to reopen. So one year later, one year after opening, still closed. But there were rumblings that like things were getting better. And I yeah. kind of made a commitment to myself then that if I could get through until we reopened, then like I would have proven to myself that like I could do this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I made a commitment to myself. I think it was late April when I was approved to reopen my doors. Again, brick and mortar space, our, um, <laughs> our capacity was approved at 10%. So if you've ever tried to run a business, running a business at 10% is not going to pay the bills. But I realized like I had to do something and yeah. I was allowed to reopen and I wanted these women to like have the space that I built. We still couldn't run childcare, but at least we could run workspace and we had mm. everybody like spaced out a million miles apart. And I did that for, I don't know, another six months or so. And all the while realizing that like 10% capacity wasn't going to do the trick. So um, I ended up making another huge pivot and I turned what was childcare into a photography space. And all of the women that I knew that had digital online brands could come in and they could book photography or they could create content. So a lot of like fitness instructors would come in and create a video or just a way to connect with their community. And that sort of got me to break even. And I thought, okay, I can do these two things. I can run co-working in the front. I can run photography in the back. It's not at all what I thought it would be, but like I can make this work. Mm-hmm. And then I guess it was July or August of 2021 Delta hit. And like immediately, honestly, before I even received a phone call, I just knew I, like I said, I December, I had already sort of been done. I got to April. I'd made that commitment to myself And the moment that Delta hit, I received four or five emails and phone calls of photography clients that were backing out. All the things that we thought, you know, were safe, like go inside and the photographer's masked and the person can take the photo. They weren't allowed. And that, again, that was what was paying my rent, not the co-working because co-working was still, I think, 10 or 15% capacity. And when those things started to come off the calendar, I just, again, I had through the worst of the worst made it to break even. And I thought, I just don't want to keep digging into my pockets. Like this dream has cost so much emotionally, (laughs) financially, spiritually, you know, and I had, again, made that commitment to myself. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I'm going to try. And I felt like I gave it all I had and I just didn't want to pivot again. I understand the timeline now. Thank you so much for that recap. That is quite like a roller coaster ride, like the heroine's journey. Like, oh, and now there's a light at the end of the tunnel and then the phone call and like, oh, now I'm going to rent it out for photography. And then, you know, another phone call. So one word that comes up a lot is pivot. You know, it was the year of the pivot for everybody, for entrepreneurs and all humans alike. And I think pivoting is such an interesting topic for whatever we want to call it, entrepreneurs, small business owners, people with big ideas, creatives, basically anyone who has an idea and throws a lot of resources, energy behind it to bring it to life. 
you ask the question, is this worth it? So like all businesses have to pivot sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. But like now that you've gone through so many iterations, like do you have inner like intuitive barometer of like when a pivot is worth it or when a pivot is not worth it? Hindsight being 2020. And I'm asking because, I mean, anyone who's listening to this who knows me, like I'm the queen of the pivot. So I'd, I'd love to hear like, when is a pivot worth it? And when do we let go? Yeah. I mean, I like to live, (laughs) one of my favorite quotes is by Oprah and it's don't hold anything too tightly, wish for it, want it, and then let it go. And for me, I think both in my prior life of letting go of my career when my son was very young, and then in my current life of letting go of this business that I wanted so hard, there are definitely times when we hold on. And I think that's where that like pivot, like pivot until you can't, right? Like, In order to start a business, I think you said this in your intro, and I think it's such a brilliant idea. Like it all happens like one step at a time, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're building a life, when you're building a business, when you have an idea, we can have everything laid out, whether it's in a spreadsheet on a piece of paper, 4,000 post-its, like you can have all the ideas that you need, but very rarely does life go exactly like you imagined, right? Like we (laughs) very rarely see that it's like, it's never a straight line. It's a very messy, windy road. So for me, those pivots were necessary. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had so much invested, even if you just talk about the construction of building out the space and floors, building a bathroom, like these things are not cheap. And so I was not ready to let go. I was not ready to let go until I was done pivoting. And I knew when I was done pivoting because I trust myself and I listen to my intuition. And I probably asked myself weekly, definitely monthly, every time rent was due, do I still want this dream? Is this still in my best interest? And I think, you know, I think if you, if you can dig deep enough, you know, and I was not ready to let go until that day that I decided, and I couldn't have gone a day longer. Like I just, I had to try so many different things to realize that like, maybe that wasn't my version of the dream and that I could let go of this thing that was at that point, just such a financial burden. I like to say that in 2020, this business was the thing that was holding me together. I had very young kids. I had worked my ass off to sort of dig my way out of mothering full time. And this was my path forward. So in 2020, I needed this business. I needed this space. 2021 came around and suddenly this space that was like holding me up, that was giving me purpose, that was driving me forward, that was giving me a reason to like wake up every day besides the like monotony of trying to get my kid on Zoom school was now bringing me down. Right. And I suddenly Mm -hmm. had this like very, very like tangible burden that was, was weighing on me. And every single time I pivoted in 2021, it felt wrong. And every single time I pivoted in 2020, it felt right. And so at some point I just went like, this isn't it. And, and that's where the letting go happens, but it doesn't happen overnight. So I'm just like nodding over here because I've had that happen a lot. And a lot of people have this happen a lot where like the thing you want so badly and you strive towards it. Okay. For example, I have a lot of yoga teachers listening to this. If you're like an urban yoga teacher, you want the Monday, Wednesday, 6 PM time slot. Cause you want to catch everyone right when they're coming out of work. And I remember like as a young yoga teacher, 
you have to take all the quote, not so good time slots. And you're just like working for years and just like waiting to get the 6 p.m. time slot. And then I remember, you know, after a couple of years, I finally got the 6 p.m. time slot. I was teaching five days a week, the 6 p.m. time slot. And then it was great for a while. And then finally, it's like, then that became the thing. And like you said, you don't notice it right away, but it like, it feels gradual. Like, oh, this is now the obstacle. Like this is now the energy drain. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think the hurdles of our life are actually pointing us in the, in the right direction. And I think so often we want to sit in our comfort zone and not tackle the hurdle. Right. And, and in my case, like the hurdle is a giant, I don't want to swear, but giant mountain. Like (laughs) when you think about opening a brick and mortar space, like in the best of times, it's very hard to run a brick and mortar space. Right. Like I know a lot of people that do it without them. I would have never opened one because they very graciously explained what does it all mean? How do you do it? How do you meet with all the landlords that don't like your ideas? Like it's not an easy thing Mm. to tackle, but like, I have a lot of friends who have brick and mortar spaces and like, we've had really tough conversations prior to the pandemic about like what happens in fire season, right? Like people in California stop leaving their house and that's a huge, huge hit on your business. And so now you have to factor in that like the month of what used to be October, but now might be August, September and October, your business is going to suck. And then Hadn't even thought nobody shops in January. So like there's always (laughs) going to be peaks and valleys. During the best of, yeah, during, during the, the best, best of, time. of times, yeah. right? And then you have a yeah. pandemic that literally says, like, don't get together and stay home. And I built a business that's intended to, like, be together and not stay home, right? The whole point is to get out of working at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that, like, yes, life will throw huge hurdles or mountains in your path. And in some cases, like, you have to get over the other side to realize that, like, that actually taught you a really valuable lesson. So like yeah. you had in your experience, like you had to get that six o'clock time slot because if you <laughs> didn't have that six o'clock time slot, that would be the thing holding you back. Yeah. And then you get the six o'clock time slot, or in my case, you get the beautiful brick and mortar space. And then suddenly that's the thing holding you back. And you're like, Oh God, I got to try again. Right. Like I've got to get over yeah. the next mountain. But I think that's life. Like there's so many ups and downs and in my experience, it's figuring out how to navigate them. What would be a helpful way then? So like in my actual brain, like on the TV screen in my brain, when I see the word hurdle, I think it's like pile of bricks or like a a pile of rubbish. And it's just like, you know, I have to confront it head on, which is a little daunting. How would you explain the word hurdle now, knowing what you know now, Like what would be a more helpful visual? I think of it as a mountain. And I think that a mountain feels steeper than a hurdle. But like how many times in our lives have we like gone for a hike and you get up the mountain, right? Like you can accomplish that in a day if you're really determined. I mean, maybe not Everest, but like Mount Tam, right? Like if you decided that you wanted to go (laughs) hike Mount Tam, like you probably could. Yeah. So I think of it more as just a gradual process. Like I think that in life, there will always be things standing in your way. And for many years, I had to reframe this idea that like my young kids were standing in my way. Like I had Uh. this career. They were my first hurdle. I had to figure out how to sign up for childcare without a paycheck, right? Like when I worked in the corporate world, like I was really in a position to like hire a nanny and have certain things. And then suddenly I left that world and I have two young kids and I have a dream 
but it's big and hard to accomplish. And like, how do I start showing up? So in the early days, like I brought my one-year-old with me to site visits. Like I would meet with contractors. I think she was there the day that we signed. My business was in the city of San Rafael and you have to go in and and get approval to run a business. And like, she was with me. She was like on my hip as I'm signing the paperwork that says that like, I have a use permit that allows co-working in the city of San Rafael. And so that was my first hurdle. That was my first small mountain Mm. to climb was figuring out how to show up for myself and my own dreams independent of my kids. And then once I passed that hurdle, it was, okay, well, how do you, you know, how do you build a space? Like, how do you market that space? So every single step along the way is its own hurdle or mountain or whatever you want to call it. And for me, it's just taking one step at a time. Like you can't scale Mount Everest in a day. And if that's your destination, then how do you just make the journey a little bit more palpable? Like how do you show up Mm -hmm. again and again and again in pursuit of the thing that you want? And for me, like long before I ever had a brick and mortar space, I had a focus group. And then after I had the focus group, I had nine or 10 in-person events, right? And then after I had nine or 10 in-person events, I validated that that process was working. And then I decided to sign the lease. So I think social media will tell you that like it happens overnight and that everybody is a success, but that's just not the truth. I think that everybody has walked their own path. I think everybody has overcome their own hurdles and climbed their own mountains. And it's just allowing yourself the time and the space to walk in the right direction. See, this is why I wanted to chat with you today because I I knew you were just going to tell it to us straight. I really appreciate you just sharing directly of like what your experience was like, that your daughter went with you to the site visits, that you were opening a business that was meant to solve the problem that you knew so intimately. Like, look, this is why I'm opening this space because I have my kid here with me signing the paper. I appreciate you calling that out. What are some more topics that you wish women talked about more directly? I mean, honestly, that let me start writing the list. Yeah, I I think for me, like, I just wish that people would talk about the ups and the downs. I wish that people would tell it like it is. I think that my mission long before the pandemic was to bring people together in real life, because I think that real life is very different than our online lives. And I think that there's a lot of wisdom to be learned from other women. And if you can surround yourself with them and hear the real stories and like, listen to their truth, you know, they give you permission to try and to start and to fail and to do all these things that like social media and Instagram will not give you permission to do, right? Like how many times have you looked at somebody that like on paper is succeeding and then had the opportunity to say like, well, what was your path to success? Like that's not what is portrayed to us. And we Mm -hmm. now live in an increasingly online world, right? And and it's full of, of beautiful, pretty pictures, but it's hard to get to that point. And it's hard to like, my experience, early, early days when I was still at my nine to five, I just wanted examples of other women who had reinvented themselves in motherhood. I was Mm -hmm. like, so desperate to see that somebody else had left their career, that somebody else had said like, hey, this isn't working for me, but you're going to be okay. And when I couldn't find that, I just started asking people, like I went in search of other women who had businesses, who had young kids. And I said, how did you get here? And that was really the foundation for which I built my business was those conversations. And so I think that showing the ups and the downs and sort of the truth behind what people navigate is, is what I crave. I think that it's just, it's really rare these days 
But I think if we could be a little bit more honest, especially online, then I think a lot more people would have the courage to start showing up and permission to like get it wrong the first couple times, you know? So you're an incredible writer. I will call that out right now. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording. So you're communicating a lot through Instagram. That seems to be your platform communication of choice. And I know that whenever I go read one of your captions, it's not going to be like, oh, look at this thing I built overnight and I'm killing it and congratulate me in the comments below. I know there's going to be something in there like, here's this thing that was hard. Here's how I grappled with it. Here's what I learned or am still in the process learning. And then you ask like, how are you? Can you relate? Where are you at in your journey? And that's why I reply and comment on your stuff because I'm like, oh my God, like I haven't had the exact same scenario, but I've had similar situations or feelings where I can relate to that. Can you say a little bit more about like the way you're writing these days, how you think about yourself as a writer? What's going on? So I'll be the first to admit, I never ever considered myself a writer. I started writing because my business was closed, right? Like I was walking a path I never imagined. To be quite honest, when I first started my business, like I thought it was like open the doors, it's going to be amazing. And not that I aspired to be that, but like, that's just what social media shows you. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh, great. It's this beautiful space and people will come in and I'll show pictures and like, we'll be good. But (laughs) life happened, right. And suddenly I had a business that I had to kind of show up for in ways that I didn't imagine. And at the same time, I was surrounded by other women who I know intimately who were going through the same things and not sharing it. And not that there's a right or wrong way to do things, but like mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. process through sharing. Like I, yeah. I also recognized from my own experience when I was in my corporate job and didn't know how to get out of that, the thing that I wanted was other examples, right? I didn't want the pretty picture. I didn't want this like perfect example of somebody that like had the nine to five that was working, I was wondering where the person was who had the nine to five who was miserable because that was going to give me permission to feel miserable too. Right. (laughs) And so I think that's, it was just my own experience. And that's how I came to writing. Like I, I was so in it when I opened my business, I didn't think failure was an option. Like I am Mm -hmm. somebody that is incredibly driven. I'm an Enneagram three. So I'm an achiever. Like me too. I'm the three. Yeah. Like I, Tiffany, that's why you and I both sat down to record a podcast today for three. A hundred percent. I just was like, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be great. And so when life kind of spit me out the other side, I just started writing for myself. And I knew that there were other people feeling the same things. And when I was in those postpartum struggles and leaving my career the first time, like I felt so very alone. I felt so lost and confused. I didn't understand why having young kids and having a career was so hard. And so when I suddenly had this business and still had young kids and we were in a pandemic, I was like, I need to write just to process this. And so I started writing mostly in a journal or like notes on my phone, never really intending to share it, but then realizing that like every conversation I had with a friend or somebody in my community, they were feeling the same things. And so I started posting them. I still consider myself an optimist. So like honest, but optimistic kind of reflection of what I was going through. And that honestly is the only thing that stuck. I mean, the business is closed. I get messages 
daily from other women who are going through it. And again, like never intended that to be my thing. There is not a person that will come out of this pandemic unscathed, whether it's a business loss, whether it's a family member that they lost, whether they lost a friend for any known reasons, right? It could be political. It could be, I mean, there's just, there's so much loss happening in the world. Mm. And so I think a lot of people are just, are reconciling how to navigate this. And just based on the fact that I was in it and decided to show up and start writing about it, I think that's, that's where my writing kind of came from. Well, I will be staying tuned for more of that writing and I'll be, you know me, I I love to be the first comment. (laughs) Because that's the three in me. Like, I want to be the first comment. When you mention all this loss that everyone is going through, the collective loss, are you processing what happened? Are you grieving? Are you building something new? A little bit of everything? I mean, I would say... I have grieved. I definitely, I mean, it's taken me months to empty my furniture out of the space. Deciding to close that dream and to let go of that space was like, unlike anything I ever could imagine. I thought my story was overcoming postpartum depression and leaving my career and having young kids and building this next thing. Like I thought that's what the story was. And then all of a sudden, like everything that I sort of built for myself fell away. So I've definitely been grieving. I would say not just for myself, but like for society at large, like I think so many people have had to adjust their lives in ways that they never wanted to, or or never anticipated. I get phone calls and messages weekly of women that are on the verge of, or have closed a dream or about to announce that they're closing dreams. And these are businesses that are like way more established than mine. Like Everybody that I talked to was like, I'm so sorry. You had a good run. Like, it's very hard to establish a business, especially a brick and mortar business in a pandemic when it can't be opened. And so I was up against a really hard target. All that being said, like, I think for me, I'm coming out the other side. I honestly wouldn't change a thing. That sounds crazy, but like, I'm just so grateful to have navigated this absolutely insane path. Can I pause you right there? I'm going to pause you right there. Remember, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I'm a little bit of an interrupter. Tiffany, you just said you wouldn't change a thing. And I'm someone, and I'm sure there are others out there, I will go back and replay something that has happened in my life. And then I say things like, oh, if only I had done X at that point, or if only I had done Y at that point, which we know is a fool's errand because we can't go back in time. Can you give a little bit more advice on that for people like me who are like, oh, I should have done this or things, there would have been a different outcome if. I mean, again, this is just me. Yeah. I've been through enough in my life to realize that everything happens for a reason. And Mm -hmm. the irony is not lost on me. I built a brick and mortar space to bring women together. A week later, the world shut down. Like, is the timing awful? Yeah, of course. Like, do I wish things had gone differently? Sure. But like, (laughs) ultimately it led me on a path that like, I'm very grateful to be on. Like, I'm very grateful to have built that space. I'm so, I'm so proud that like my kids got to see me show up for something Mm -hmm. that mattered to me and, and like, I'll get emotional talking about it, but like, there's a lot of really positive things that came out of it. And like, that's what I'm taking away. It still sucks. Yes. 
it sucks that like my version and my dream didn't come to fruition the way that I thought, but I would not change a thing. I mean, if I hadn't signed that lease, I would still be sitting there wondering what if, right? Like uh, that thing would have been on my shoulders for the rest of my life. I would have always thought like, what if I tried this thing and I didn't. And so for me showing up for that dream, trying to make it work and failing has been again, the best lessons, the hardest, but the best lessons that I've ever been through in life. And it has brought some of the most important people into my life. It has helped me to find strength that like, again, I just didn't expect to find. It helped me connect to writing, which like, again, I never would have told you my brother's a writer, (laughs) never would have told you that was in my DNA. But like, there's just really incredible things that come from trying and sometimes failing. And I think that if you can live without regret, like what could Mm. I have honestly changed? Like, sure, I could have booked another photography thing or I could have pivoted six more times. But like, ultimately, like, I really believe destiny will work the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. And I tried my best. I think I said this earlier, like I would not have been able to quit a day earlier and I would not have been able to continue a day more. Like I know myself enough from navigating other losses, the loss of my career, the first time around, I knew in my heart that like I was done when I was done. And I think that's like a really beautiful thing that came out of it. And it's still hard and it's still awful, but I don't think I could have done much differently. For me, that gives me a lot of it gives me a lot of hope (laughs) that there's something better. And then it also gives me like just a lot of freedom to just allow what was to be and to find the courage to begin again. You mentioned at the beginning of the call, you bought yourself PhD in entrepreneurship and business ownership. What one piece of advice would you give to any woman who's toying with the idea of opening a brick and mortar or launching an online business. So what's the one piece of advice for any woman with a big idea? Honestly, two things. One, do it. It will change Mm -hmm. your life. I don't care if it fails. I don't care if it's terrible. I don't care if nothing goes as planned because that's what happened to me. Yeah, It will absolutely fundamentally change your life. I think that Mm -hmm. we need more women to show up and have a voice and do the thing that's on their heart because I think that's what's going to help women rise in general. Mm -hmm. The second thing I will say is to start. I think I said this earlier, like it's never a linear perfect path. Like you will never end up exactly where you thought you would be, but you'll never end up anywhere if you don't start. And so mm-hmm. I think that we we see so many examples of like established businesses and we think, gosh, like if I could just have a million followers or this giant dream, that would be fine and great. I'll tell you my first brick and mortar lease, which I lost, I had a business partner was 5,000 square feet and wow. losing that business was awful. I was like, gosh, no, that was the thing I was supposed to have. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, oh my gosh, like I would have lost my house, right? Like there's so many things that were attached to that lease in order to sign a 5,000 square foot lease, Yeah, not to mention the financial burden. Like I was able to build something that worked for me and my family and didn't have my house attached to the down payment. So Wow. Everything happens for a reason. And I think that starting and and putting like one foot in front of the other every single day will get you one step closer to where you want to be. One other thing I wanted to call out, and it's certainly not lost on me, is that you now have a daughter who like sees a woman putting pen to paper saying like, I believe in my dream and I deserve to try this. And I'm a business owner and this space is mine. And I won't go into the whole story, but I mean, 
I stayed in a career a long time ago, like three years longer than I needed to, because I didn't have enough examples in my life of women who had left things behind and started new things. I mean, I worked in academia, which for so many reasons, it's great. It's a lifelong career. People rarely leave because it's so awesome. So then when I was like starting to have my entrepreneurial ideas and I'm looking around, there was nobody for me to talk to. So just thinking already, like your daughter's perception of business ownership and entrepreneurship. Well, I think what you just said is super important. We need examples. This is why I said, just do it, right? Like we need examples at every single level of people who are doing it differently. I think your example of academia is the same exact example as my nine to five, right? Like, yeah, like I really didn't have anyone directly in my network who I could ask about their experience transitioning from one field to another. And something that I did was like, once I pulled the plug on my own job, then I got really serious about like looking for network communities and things like that. And I wish I had done that before pulling the plug. How'd that go for you in terms of community when you shifted from, from corporate to trying out your own ideas? I mean, absolutely. So for me, when I was in my corporate job, all I saw was other people with kids doing the corporate thing. And I didn't have any examples of women that were doing it differently. And so then when I started staying home, I sort of threw myself into the motherhood community and I met people at the park or I met people at music class or I met people at the library story time. And everyone I met was seemingly enjoying motherhood. And I was like, gosh, like I didn't fit in the nine to five. I don't necessarily fit into the motherhood thing. Yes, I'm a mother, but like I have, I have other things I'm working on. And so for me, it was really creating community around this idea of entrepreneurship and motherhood and, and surrounding myself with women that were doing that thing. So I went in search of women who had businesses, who had kind of pursued ideas, but also had young kids. And that was what gave me permission to do the thing that was on my heart. So I think this idea of community is incredibly important, but also recognizing that community comes in different forms. I think when you surround yourself with the women that are doing the thing that you want to be doing, it really lights the way for you. And so for me, I needed to surround myself with women who were building businesses or tackling big ideas or working with kids in tow. And that's how I not only found, but created this community that could support each other. And I think that sometimes you have to try different communities on to find the right fit. I think there's lots of them out there. I think they're all incredible, but like ask yourself, where do you want to be in five years and figure out what that woman is doing now? And then try to get yourself at that table in that conversation if you want to have a Fortune 500 company, you should start reaching out to women that are the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be like your best friend, but can you find a mentor in that space? Can you find somebody that is achieving at the level that you want to achieve at and surround yourself with them? I think they say that like the six people you spend the most time with are the ones that influence you the most. So Pick six people that you want to spend time with that are doing things that inspire you and see where it takes you. Is it as simple as sending a cold email, like send out 10, hope you get a response or like, <laughs> I mean, for me, I will say, I don't think it happens overnight. 
I think social media is a really great place to start as much as I've bad mouth social media. Me too. <laughs> I think it's there's a, really a couple good, good things about there's it. There's a couple, couple good things. things. I mean, some of my best friends, my ride or dies in life came from social media. They were building similar businesses to me. I reached out, they were in the mother space. They were in the co-working space, whatever that looked like. And I was like, Hey, this is what I'm working on. You're in San Francisco or you're in the East Bay. Like let's sit down for coffee and chat. I believe that women who have tried and whether they've failed or whether they've kind of found their way, women who are further along than you almost always are willing to reach their hand back. And I think that we don't necessarily make those cold calls or make those DMs or whatever. But I think that when you put yourself out there and you say, hey, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurial mothers I asked to coffee. And I was like, I'm sorry, this is so awkward. Like, you don't really know me, but like, mm-hmm. I'm totally fangirling over here. Like, I just need to know <laughs> how you got there, you know? I do that too. <laughs> and so many of them said yes. I mean, this was pre-pandemic. It's weirder to get coffee now, all the things. Yeah. But like, I do think that if you reach out and, and really authentically just want to learn from them, if they have the time and the capacity, like they will extend that olive branch. And then one leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. I mean, I've been on this journey again for motherhood, seven years, entrepreneurships, like three, and my absolute best friends are building brands right beside me. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes like I find someone who I want to reach out to, but like, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to inconvenience them. I don't want to seem awkward, whatever. And like you said, most women are interested in helping and they're busy at that moment. Either they say so, or I've gotten good referrals that way. They're like, I don't have time to talk to you right now. Crazy lady. I don't know in my DMS, but have you spoken yet with so-and-so and and the universe works in interesting ways that way. A hundred percent. I mean, don't like DM Sarah Blakely and say, how did you like form Spanx, but like find somebody, (laughs) somebody a little bit lower than that. And they're probably going to say, yes. exactly. You know, I kind of like to say that like in a corporate world, like your day to day is like finding the next rung on the ladder. Like you're just Mm -hmm. constantly like, how do I get to the next rung? And then I had a small baby. My firstborn was my son. So a little bit different, but I'll get to my daughter next. I just kind of wanted to find the next rung. And then suddenly I had this small kid and I was like, wait, I can't travel. Like I can't climb. Like, how am I going to get to the next rung and also bring this little kid with me? And then I stayed home and like motherhood has no ladder. Motherhood has no pay increase to achieve, no title (laughs) to change. Like you are just, you, I mean, just is the wrong word, but like, that is what it is. It is hard. It is a grind. It is day to day. There were so many times I wanted to tell myself, I did tell myself because my life staying home was easier for everyone but me. My kids were happy. Uh. My mom was happy. My husband like was able to climb and achieve because somebody was available for drop off and pick up and yeah, and all these things. So like society will tell women over and over and over again to like do the safe thing, right? Stay in academia because it's this beautiful lifelong career and look at all these other people that are happy doing it. Social media will tell you build this perfect business, but don't get it wrong and do it this way. Like we need examples of people that are doing it differently because that's the only way that we can find our path. So for me, I went looking for examples of women that had reinvented themselves in motherhood because that's what I needed. I needed this like permission and validation that like, I could build a business even though I had two young babies. And you mentioned my daughter, which is, I mean, fundamentally changed my life. My son changed my life in getting me out of my career. My daughter changed my life in really 
reminding me that I needed to show up for me. I was lost in motherhood. I didn't necessarily want to stay home. It fit really well for everyone else. And then I suddenly had this very small child, my second born. And here is this little tiny, like me, like a small version of me. And I just kept looking at her and going, what would I want for her? Would I want her to feel like she has to stay home? And Mm. not that staying home is wrong, but for me, it wasn't a good fit. And so I honestly used my daughter and I started the business when she was under one. Mm. And so I, I look at her, I still look at her and that's my why that's my reason for trying so hard. I love my son. I think that he's going to have opportunities that she's not going to have. And the only way to create opportunities for her is if I create them for myself and by creating them for myself, I'm showing her and I'm teaching her that she can do and be whatever she wants to be. Thank you for sharing. I want to make sure, and this segues really well, I ask all my guests on the podcast about self-care. Because this podcast came initially out of, you know, an interest in yoga and wellness and chakras and enneagrams. So how does that play out in your life? Where is the time? When does it happen? What does that look like for you? Can you tell us a little bit about Tiffany's self-care routine? Absolutely. So... I will say self-care, especially in motherhood, is hard. However, I believe it is the only way. I think that as a society, we portray motherhood as martyrdom, like show up Mm -hmm. for everyone at the expense of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that showing up for ourselves is how we show up for the people in our life. It's how we show up for our kids. It's how we show up for our partners. It's how we show up for our friends. Self-care definitely didn't come easy for me. I think before I had kids, I was like a big runner. And then all of a sudden I've got little kids and like running with a Bob stroller isn't very fun. And like, I didn't have a lot of childcare. So again, like it's taken time. I have a morning routine. There is so much information out there about how important it is to wake up early. I've been a mom for seven years. So in the first, probably five of them, I had little baby alarm clocks and like I would wake up and I would be pissed off because they woke (laughs) me up earlier than I wanted. And it just starts the day in like the worst possible way. And so (laughs) I had to set an alarm and start waking up earlier and earlier and earlier, depending on daylight savings time and what time they were going to wake me up. But I really try to wake up. I try not all the time, but I try to wake up earlier than them. I journal, I meditate. If I have time, I exercise then. If not, I Mm -hmm. exercise before I pick them up from school. I just think taking care of ourselves. Honestly, if you're trying to like tackle a dream or an idea, like it's absolutely the most important thing. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of anything else. And so for me, it's just finding little bits of time to do all the things that are important to me. And it's very rarely like an hour of exercise or an hour of anything. Like I get little windows throughout the day and that's when I do it. Tiffany, I have some quicker questions for you. Absolutely. Let's dive in. What's some advice you would give to yourself 10 years ago? I would say, and this is for any women listening, stop asking what is expected of you and start asking yourself what you want. I think we are taught from society that we should be everything for everyone else. I absolutely checked all those boxes, right? Like get the career and the husband and the dog and all the things. And like all of a sudden it didn't fit. And it was only when I started asking myself, like, what do I want? Who do I want to become that I ultimately kind of found this path for myself. What's your favorite thing about living in Marin? Oh, I grew up here. I never imagined coming back. 
I absolutely 100% blame my husband in the best way possible. <laughs> I moved to the East Coast for college. I lived in Boston and New York, and I was like completely set there. I was like, I don't ever have to go back to California. And then I was home and met my husband and very quickly left my career and came here. And I love it. I love Marin. I think we're really fortunate to be surrounded by, I mean, obviously like incredible hiking trails, a lot of nature. I'm really also just constantly amazed at how many women are doing their own thing here. So I, yeah. I think the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well in Marin. And I think that it just really helps to be surrounded by that. And then most recently, it really helps to be in a very vaccinated community. And it like 98 or 99% of the people. Yeah. It's, I say this all the time. Like, I don't know that I could live anywhere else, especially right now in the pandemic. So it just incredibly think that this pandemic is intended to teach us that we need to support each other. Yeah. My, my big tagline for my business was togetherness, right? Like it is a collective effort. We have to get out of it together and living in a community that is willing to get vaccinated, vaccinate our kids, do all these things. Like it isn't to be overlooked. Right. The herd immunity being a perfect example of togetherness. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite book? So I'm a huge reader. I try to read at least a book a week. I still have not hit the 52 books in a right. year mark, but like I get close every year. That's so that's, awesome. <laughs> that's like my goal. But my like tried and true, I think honestly forever favorite is The Alchemist. Yeah. haven't read that book. It's all about the journey. And I think there's a lot to be said for just embracing the journey and allowing yourself to sort of evolve as you go. It's a quick read. Like it is. You can read it quickly. Yeah. Big revelations from 2020 to 2021. So for me, I think that this pandemic has really taught us we don't need as much as we think we need. Like we can survive with a lot less. What's your biggest goal in 2022? I mean, I would like to leave the state of California. I've been here for two years. My brother and his girls are on the East Coast. We each have kids under five who aren't vaccinated. So like if we could somehow get our babies, the youngest of the bunch, mm -hmm. vaccinated and be together for the first time in over two years, that would be my absolute biggest goal, especially for the kids. I mean, they know each other, but now it's mostly through FaceTime and it's really sad. Right. So again, getting them together in real life, that would be so sweet. What little known fact about you surprises people? So obviously this is a podcast. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, you can go and take a look. But I have very curly hair in pictures and naturally straight hair in real life. It is one of the weirdest, strangest motherhood hacks that I ever came across. My daughter calls it my my mermaid hair. But I, I think it was after she was born, I realized that it was really hard to straighten or blow dry or even just manage my hair. And so I started French braiding it every night. Yeah. And I think you always want what you can't have. I always wanted, <laughs> I always wanted messy, big hair and I never had it until I had kids, but my hair is naturally very straight. You're preaching to the choir here. Like my hair is so straight and we always want what we can't have, right? I will like go to the salon and pay for the curls and it's flat again within an hour. Right. And everybody that has curly hair, my sister-in-law has curly hair and she's like, God, I just want your straight hair. Like, stop it. I'm like, I don't know. I just, it fits. I like it. So it's a weird little known fact. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. I'll close us out. 
This has been a Tune and Align podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into our conversations. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to tune into the power of your own dream. We'd love to hear your questions and engage with you over on our social. Follow Attune and Align and post your questions for Tiffany and for our community in our feed. Tag us whenever you're taking action to attune to your heart and align your life using our hashtag Attune and Align. We can't wait to see what your heart will ask you to do next. My name is Marissa Lavalette, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking this time to get clear on the things you want to manifest in the life of your dream. A woman living a life that aligns with her soul creates a powerful ripple effect in her relationships and in her communities. When you live your best life and share your unique gifts, give permission for others to begin to do the same. Now go shine your light.